You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Welcome to episode 21 of Republic City Report, Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater-Bender. Thank you guys for joining me once again. Uh, of course, this season is going by really quickly now because as we've all noticed, Nickelodeon is airing these episodes uh, two per week now. So I'm finding myself having to do a lot more recording in a shorter period of time. So bear with me as I try to get caught up and hopefully stay caught up before this thing comes to an end. So I want to take a time to remind my listeners as well as let any new listeners know that this is more of a uh, listener feedback sort of a podcast, which means every episode I read an email or two to answer any questions you have and, and, and kind of address some theories you may have, some suggestions you might have and things like that. Every now and then I might pose a few questions and ask an answer from you. But that's I try to aim to do that uh, with this podcast. And so far for this season, I've been doing doing pretty well with that. I'm getting a, a good amount of emails, so please keep them coming in and I'll try to get to them. If I can't get to all of them, then we'll figure out something else. <laughs> I'll, I'll just respond to your email even if I can't some for some reason uh, read it on on air. But right now, I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be able to do that. Now, with that being said, send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a question, a theory, and etc., you can also head over to facebook.com slash Republic City Report if you want to leave a comment there or message me. Uh, as soon as I get enough likes on that page, then we can really start doing some things right now. There's very few people there. Um, so until we can get some kind of a community going there, don't expect there to be much uh, because it's really hard to get for people to see your posts on Facebook now anyway, just because of the way it's set up with advertisements and all that. So. There has to be, you know, a good amount of people there for you to re- for it to really be worth paying for people to see your posts. And right now, I just don't really have enough people for that. So uh, if you want to head over to Facebook.com slash Republic City Report and give that page a like. Now, with that being said, uh, of course, this episode is going to cover episode six of the series, which is titled Old Wounds. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit, and then I'm going to head over to on to emails and then uh and that'll be that okay so uh of course now we're being uh basically just directly continued from the previous episode the metal clan uh team avatar is still in the city of Fu at this point uh of course this city's made of metal um Limbei Fong we find out that she has a sister and her sister has this whole family and and obviously there's this deep-seated issue there with Lin uh, we know that there's something going on there, something that's that probably happened in the past, something that's unresolved. And on this episode, we actually get to find out what that is, hence the title, Old Wounds. Now, we start off the episode with something that <laughs> it, it's very it's very funny how I had never really thought about that before. And that was the fact that Cora didn't know how to metal bend. 
Now that was something that um, Aang didn't know how to do either, which he could have. I mean, well, he didn't, but I mean, there was no reason why he couldn't have learned that, I guess, because it, it happened in his lifetime. Uh, of course, none of the previous avatars before he could have known because uh, Toph Beifong was the one who basically discovered it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have learned it. I wonder why. I wonder if there was any reason why. I mean, obviously it didn't. <laughs> obviously these aren't real people, so it's not like I have to really wonder why he didn't do it. But I just mean, maybe from a writing standpoint, I wonder if they ne ever addressed that or, or anything like that. It's probably something they just never even really thought about. But I love the fact that they thought about it for this season. And this just goes into what I say every episode about this show being so rich in story and characters and character development. And these are things that the writers don't have to do, but they do it anyway. And somebody decided, somebody said, hey, maybe we should let Cora learn how to metal bend. And it, it just what it does is once again, it just fleshes out this world that they live in. And these these characters have so many layers to them and so much depth and so much personality. And they're so distinctive. And I love that. Um, so just letting her learn metal bending just adds another layer to her character. And rest assured that it probably won't be completely useless. Now, it's going to somehow tie into things because as we're getting to a little bit later in the conversation here, uh, at the end of this thing, we're basically going to be led to believe that Zahir and his comrades are heading to that city, right, to try to get her. So rest assured that, you know, she'll have metal bending relatively under control by the time they get there, just in case this huge fight happens and she needs metal. Uh, she'll be able to use it. So I just think that's great. And, 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 and even more so than that, it's just very cool how it's. Su Yin that's teaching it to her. I mean, you know, once again, that that not only does that add an extra layer to Cora's character, it adds an extra layer to Sue's character too, because she's also a teacher. You know, and it's just it's fantastic. I love it. And then not only that, but of course, you know, Bolin is there, so he is kind of getting involved. You know, he's a little uh, hesitant and scared, and you find out later on that he there's something that he's been wanting to do for a long time, but he just doesn't have the the strength of faith in it once again uh the name of this book is change so as i stated in every episode so far i expect there to be some changes now bolin may come out of this thing as being a master metal bender himself along with cora which would just be great because that adds another layer to him now the only i'll have to say right now you know and this this tends to happen a lot it seems um Mako and Asami are kind of being left behind this season in some ways. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, is Asami even in uh, Zaofu? Did Where is Asami? I feel like I need to watch these episodes again to find out what happened to her. Um, because I'm not sure if she's even there with them. And if she is, she's being very quiet. <laughs> Someone send me an email or I can just look it up when this is done. But um Where's Asami right now? Uh, what well, she was definitely she was definitely in Bossing Say, because her and Cora went and uh, and got the money from the vault and brought it to the queen. But after that, I don't really remember. Well, okay, she was also she was also there when they broke the Airbenders out of the prison. But I don't I don't remember seeing her at all since they went to the Metal City. But well, she's probably there and just being very quiet. I'll have to look in one of those shots where everyone's sitting at the table together and see if she's there. 
Uh, but that's okay because once again, in, in book one, we got a lot of Asami, and uh, book two, we got more of Mako and everything. So, you know, you can't get there. Every time you introduce a new character, one of the other characters is going to kind of have to take, you know, we're going to get less of them. And that's just the way it works. And that's fine because I'm enjoying every new character we've met this season so far. So. While we've kind of got that going on, we're beginning this this metal bending process with Core and Bolin in, in such a way. Uh, we're, we're starting to see that things are starting to take a toll on Lin. Um, you know, that she's, she's stressed out. It's starting to manifest itself physically in her neck when she talks and everything. And you can tell that she's stressed out. She's got a lot of repression there. Some things she really needs to get off of her chest because it's starting to affect her health. So she gets a recommendation uh to go see uh and i'm not is it called i know it's called acupuncture but i'm not exactly sure of what the title is for the person that does it so i don't want to butcher that by trying but she's going in to get acupuncture puncture to kind of relieve her stress and she's being told that she doesn't have to say a word and everything so we we get we get that so here is the here is the writer's opportunity to show us these flashbacks right and, and it was it was just a method of setting that up. And it was a brilliant way of setting it up. I mean, that's one of the challenging things about, you know, screenwriting and everything is to try to find a way to explain uh, the past without just using exposition, without just having the person just say it, because that, that kind of gets boring after a while. Um, I mean, they could have she could they could have just talked about it, but how much more interesting is it is to to show it. So they needed to find a way to transition into showing that. And I think this was a great way because it, it ties in. It ties in with what's going on with her and stress relief. And I believe, you know, I've never experienced acupuncture myself. But, I mean, that's an actual real thing. And it does have certain people believe that it has certain healing properties. And, and it stands to reason that in their world that something like that could bring back memories. And then that also gives the writers the opportunity to show us what happened between her and Suyin, which, you know, we had kind of been speculating on up until this point. So, and I always love when they do this. I've said this before. I love when they jump back in time for reasons like this. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> because not only does it give us an opportunity to see these characters when they're younger, which is always interesting. Uh, but then we, sometimes we get to see one of our favorite characters from the last airbender as an adult. And we do get to see Toph there again. And that's once again, we, you know, you love to see that kind of stuff. You love to see, you love to hear their voice and see how they've changed and grown up and everything. And we do get to see that, but we'll get to more of that in a moment. It basically starts off here as we get, uh, Lynn walking in as a very, as a young cop at this point. And she's, she's the, the tough, older, straight and narrow older sister walking in on her young rebellious younger sister kind of hanging out with these guys that she shouldn't really be hanging out with and we start to see the kind of relationship that they have with each other which is uh a lot more intense than you would think you know um Suyin is basically going down the wrong path and Lin while going down the right path it still has a very strict sort of even over strict overly strict sort of way of viewing life um 
So that that makes for an interesting dynamic because it's not just like one of those things to where like, oh, well, you know, I'm your older sister and I'm looking out for you. You know, Lynn is tough and very tough and almost overly, like I said, overly strict. So it almost um, explains a little bit better as to why Suyin may have been a little bit more rebellious because, you know, overly rebellious is usually a result of, of overly being overly strict. That's what I would say. Um, so we do get a little bit of that. And then, of course, we flash back and everything like that. Uh, and we know that this is building towards something. And we we know that it's going to uh, hopefully explain why she why she's so upset about everything. Now, meanwhile, we uh, find out that Zahir and his group uh, are basically holding up in Republic City at this point. Uh, but they're like, well, we have to escape, you know, um, trying to find the Avatar, etc. So they kind of begin this thing to where they are going to sort of hijack this guy in his truck and get him to drive them out of the city and everything like that. So so that begins um, in itself. And one thing I have to I just love about this is and, and this just ties back into me talking about the amount of of, of depth and, and detail that they pay to this show is that um, the characters look different now. Now, okay, I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not exactly positive about the Waterbender and the Earthbender, but the Firebender, you know, she, she has new clothing on. She has a Fire Nation type of an outfit on, and her hair is different. And you know, and I, I just, I love that because these are small details once again that you don't even have to do. You know, they very well could have just let them all look the exact same when they got out of prison. But, you know, someone someone on the on the team is smart enough to say, well, if they if they escape from prison, they might not want to look the exact same way they looked when in prison because there it'll be make it easier for people to find them. Right. And not only that, it just it it once again, it, it makes them all look more distinctive. And that's it's just great. And, but what's what's even better about it, I think, here is that. Uh, I mean, not only it's it's a fantastic looking costume. It's an her uniform is awesome. I mean, I just I'd love I've always loved the character designs for these characters. So when they do things like that, it just makes it an even an even it's it's even better to look at if that makes any sense. Uh, so we've got that going on now. Meanwhile, once again, um, Lynn is kind of having a hard time with this this acupuncture process uh as she gets deeper and deeper into the memories and everything like that uh there's a moment to where she wakes up and she just can't deal with it and in this very cool moment all of the acupuncture needles kind of shoot out of her because she's a metal bender and she, <laughs> they shoot out and, they, and and that was just cool but you know she's warned that hey um we're not done with the process yet so you know, if you interrupt it now, you're going to get sick. That's what the guy tells her. But, you know, Lin Bei Fong being as stubborn as she is, is like, you know, I'm not. No, I'm done with this. I'm done because she doesn't want to revisit these memories. They're obviously very hard for her. Uh, so she walks out, but she doesn't stay gone very long before she gets too sick to basically, you know, she goes back. And then we basically get the rest of the memory, which is, uh, you know, more or less. Um, she's, she's just on a routine, you know, beat on the street as a cop and there's this car and she's chasing them down and she pulls them over and everything's criminals. And she realizes, she finds out that Su Yin is in there. 
So this is, you know, she's pretty much distraught by this because you can imagine being someone who's so into upholding the law to have someone that close to you be a criminal, uh, which just makes a, a, a more interesting dynamic between them. But of course, uh, arguments ensue and then we finally get to see. And this is something that I speculated about on the previous episode. And I, it turns out I think I was right that that scar on Lynn's face was somehow tied into her sister. And we find out that it was. And she tried to basically grab her using those metal bending ropes <laughs> that they use. And she and Suyin pulls out a metal knife and slices it. And then it retracts and hits uh, Lennon in the face. And it was just it's just beautiful, beautiful moment there. Um, and when I say beautiful, you know, I mean, I mean, dramatic. I mean, it's, you know, once again. The, the, this this show is just much more than just a cartoon, you know, and and in, so, in some ways it's not even being done justice by being on Nickelodeon. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate Nickelodeon for for even giving this this series a, a, a chance to begin with. And I understand why they stuck with them, because they were with them from the beginning. And that's great. But it almost kind of I, I feel that and this is a little bit off topic, but I feel that the show could do so much better in a more. I mean, I don't I can't think of another channel that would probably take it on. But it's just I think there's a huge demographic of people that are like maybe closer to my age or even older that are missing out on this show because it's on Nickelodeon. And they they're probably they probably assume that it's just for kids like little kids with anyone who watches it knows that it's much more than that. And the, the themes that are there are very much adult and and adults can relate to a lot of this stuff. I mean, this story be, between Lynn and Su Yin, I mean, who who hasn't had that kind of rivalry with their sibling that has turned into something bad, and then hopefully you you work your way out of it. I mean, there are all sorts of themes like that throughout this series, and I just wish more people could get into it because I can't I can't help but wonder if this whole let's show two episodes per week thing has something to do with ratings not being the way they want them to be, or you know what I mean. There's got to be a reason why they're showing two episodes a week and and i don't think it's it's usually not a good reason when shows start doing that kind of stuff uh but i mean the show the show has always gotten fantastic reviews but of course you know it takes much more than that to to for a show to stick around and i think you know if you've watched any of the better tv shows of the past couple of years you'll realize plenty of things have been canceled you know that have been critically amazing, but the people don't watch, well, then that's a different story, you know, and, and they've been struggling with The Legend of Korra. I mean, I believe book one used to come on Sunday mornings or something, and, and that was a terrible time slot <laughs> because at the time I didn't have a DVR and I don't even remember how I watched those episodes. But and now it's on Friday nights, which is still not the best night either. I mean, I guess depending on what demographic they're going for. That's probably not the best night. I mean, very rarely do I am I actually home to watch it the same as it airs. I usually watch it much later Friday night or early Friday morning or Saturday or something like that. And I just don't want to see anything bad happen to this show just because of all of this weird scheduling and everything. But so that, that's kind of challenging. But anyway, that was a nice little side tangent there. OK, but back to the episode. So um, we do get to see Core do a little earthbending. Um, through some pretty cool moments between her and Suyin. And uh, once again, Bolin is very interested in, in it, but he doesn't really want to admit it. 
and it's kind of weird and he's, he feels a little bit uh, discouraged because Korra picks it up so quickly and we have learned throughout episodes that earth bending isn't the easiest thing um, I'm sorry metal bending metal bending isn't the easiest thing um, and he says something about that he heard that only you know like one in every 100 earthbenders can can metal bend um, but then Suyin kind of says that you know that's not necessarily the case you know you just probably have to be an earthbender and put in the time and the effort and for Korra it comes pretty quickly because well at this point she's she's the avatar and she's kind of mastered well she has the basic four elements mastered and I would imagine that you know her her the level she is at now spiritually physically and everything it's probably much easier for her to grasp grasp something so we're getting a little bit more out of that now because this just gives another layer to Bolin and something else another angle for him to try to grasp with and it's just beautiful how they keep exploring these different angles of these characters and once again it also kind of ties him into opal a little bit more because they get a moment they get a moment in the courtyard where he's trying to metal bend and she's like you know why don't you just ask my mom to teach uh you and he's like well i'm just kind of like you know uh, you know i'm i'm a little scared to to bring it up i'm, I'm embarrassed etc and then he finds out that she really wants to go train at the air temple, but she's kind of embarrassed and not. She's scared to bring it up. And so we get this moment there where they bond and they can relate to each other based on that. And, and once again, I cannot stress the, the care, the, the excellent character development they're doing this season with these characters. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, they may not be giving every character as much time as they probably could, but what we are getting of those characters is great stuff. It's great stuff. So we get a moment there between the two of them. Uh, now back to, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting names all of a sudden. Lynn, <laughs> Lynn is still, you know, having her memories and everything. And then just kind of getting to the point here, uh, we get to see Toph. Okay. There's a moment between Lynn and Suyin and Toph when they're in like the office and Toph is just kind of saying, okay, uh, you know, we got to figure out something to do about this because she is the chief of police. She doesn't want her daughter to be arrested because that's just going to look bad on everyone. But of course, uh, Lynn is like, well, she has to be arrested because she's a criminal and she did it and she needs to learn a lesson, etc. So talk basically says, you know, what? give me the police report. I'm going to tear it up. Uh, Suyin's going to go stay with, um, I forget, some extended family and everything. Just kind of get her out of town for a while. And, and, and we find out that, hey, this is this is why Lynn has been so angry at her sister. And it may even tie it kind of it, it, it tells us a little bit more about why she may be so, quote unquote, miserable and in, in just in general. Right. Because all of this kind of stems from her her past and her trying to please her mom and trying to be the best cop she can be and all this kind of stuff. So we basically find out when that's more or less where all of this is coming from so she wakes up with an agenda <laughs> she wakes up with an agenda and she's like i'm going to go directly to her and solve this once and for all and it is just awesome right <laughs> because it, because you know the moment she storms out of there you know there's something's about to go down 
So she pretty much goes out into the courtyard, confronts her sister, and they start some epic metal bending action and start fighting. And you know, I mean, you know, you, you know, no one's actually going to seriously get hurt during this, but it's just it's them taking out aggression on each other. And what it does is just it just shows for one how awesome of a of a fighter Su Yin is, um, which you know we don't we didn't really get to see much of her backstory in terms of what happened once she moved away and all of that so i'm sure she did a lot of training herself um so we get a pretty cool fight with them and 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 bolin and cora just kind of standing there watching as cora's like should i help and bolin's like no it's 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 siblings have to fight this is just how it goes (laughs) so i thought that was pretty funny um but to get to the point here and then we get this moment where Opal steps in using airbending and kind of stops them and makes them realize, hey, you guys are sisters. You know, this this needs to stop. And there's just a lesson that needs to be learned here. And 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 Lynn is basically the one who's learning the lesson, right? Because Su Yin has changed. She keeps saying she's a different person now. She's been trying to tell her that this whole time, but it seems like Lynn just needed to really get it out of her system. So after that fight, she kind of passes out, wakes up the next day in this great mood <laughs> to everyone's surprise uh, after a very long rest. So it just really did seem like it was one of those things where she just literally needed to get it out of her system. And, and that helps. So we see Lynn come out. She's actually wearing uh, Zhao Fu garb, which is very nice and cool to see. She's having breakfast. It's just kind of a, a, a different Lynn. And then we get a moment between her and Opal, which is a very tender moment, very emotional. She apologizes for, for being the way she's been. She tells her that she's a great airbender. Uh, and then we get a moment of connection, right? Because Opal tells her that I would love to go training with Tenzin at the Air Temple, but I'm afraid of disappointing my mother. And then bam, right there, Lynn can relate. Because Lynn was afraid of disappointing her mom. So she almost went overboard trying to be a super cop, you know, <laughs> trying to arrest her sister and everything to impress her mother. Um, so she can relate to that. And then they bond over that. And then we get a nice moment. We get a nice moment there. And then right after that, we get another nice moment between Lynn and Suyin out in the field, looking at a statue of their mother, basically just saying, you know, um, they're apologizing to one another and they just come to terms and they just kind of agree to be, to try to be better at it. And it's a great moment. And it, it's great because um, just kind of switching over to the end of this thing, you know, once again, we have reason to believe that Zahir and his, his, his comrades are heading for the Metal City because through some weird sort of a meditation or something, he he knows where they are now this that's one thing about Zahir is that we we still don't know what his backstory is or why he seems to be so good at everything you know he picked up airbending and all of a sudden he was like an airbending master and now he's sitting there doing some kind of meditation and he can he can see where they are so look for there to be some kind of backstory on him at some point you know they may even go as far as dedicating an entire episode to that i mean they've they've done things like that before on this series um so it'd be nice to see that and see exactly uh what the deal is and i think that about does it for that episode um i hope i didn't leave anything too important out sometimes it's a little hard for me to remember because i'm not i don't make any notes for this by the way 
I watch the episodes and sometimes I come directly after and sometimes I come the next day and sometimes I may rewatch it, but I'm, I don't make any notes. I mean, this is all just out of my brain as I think of it. And so because of that, sometimes I may forget some things, but I think I covered all the main stuff there. So at this point, I'm going to switch over to the email segment. I'm going to read some emails that I have here. I'm going to try not to keep this too long because I'm kind of reaching my time limit. I don't really have a time limit, but I try to keep it relatively short because I think people like it that way. And, you know, you can only listen to a one person talk <laughs> for so long. So once again, if you would like to see me an email, uh, send me an email, republiccityreport at gmail.com. You can also head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport. So let's see, I have two emails here from Haven, Haven Kotara. Thank you once again for emailing me. Uh, I read one of Haven's emails on the previous episode so haven's first email i think is just kind of saying thanks for that so your your first email reads oh my gosh thank you so much for your answers i'm not dying that much anymore you are awesome and i can't wait until your next podcast p.s going to rewatch the battle between zahir and kaya thanks again haven thank you so much for thinking that i'm awesome i'm just i'm just a fan just like you guys uh, and I really my ultimate goal is to just really just try to get more people to watch the show. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice for this thing to kind of get a little bigger to where I can get some interviews and stuff like that. But obviously, I have to get more listeners. Um, but right now, it seems to be doing pretty well. So thank you for listening. And uh, just a, just a little clarification for anyone who may have not heard that last episode yet. It doesn't remember. Uh, Haven posed some questions about some things and I did my best to answer them just kind of based on my opinion and what I knew about certain things. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And <laughs> once again, if you rewatch that, Haven's already done it. But the rest of you rewatch that battle between Zahir and Kaya to just really and and pause it every couple of seconds and just look at everything that's going on in that in, the, in that scene and you your mind will be blown. OK, so and then you sent me another one here and I'm going to read this one out. And just like the last one, I'm going to I'm going to read it in parts and kind of answer your questions as I go along. So Haven writes, hello again. I rewatched the battle between Kaya and Zahir and I noticed something Kaya seemed to recognize. I noticed something Kaya seemed to recognize Zahir almost instantly after having a short conversation with him for the first time since he came to Air Temple Island. So here's my question. Could there possibly be a history between Zahir and Kaya? If this is true, it could explain a lot about why Zahir is the way he is. For one, Zahir seems to know a lot about airbenders and their history. That could have been picked up from spending time around Kaya and her family. Plus, he also seems to have a strong spiritual connection like Janora. Um, so your question there is, could there possibly be a history between Zahir and Kaya? Shh, totally. There, 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 there is a history, and like I was saying a minute ago, um, it, we're going to get that. I really do believe we're going to get more of his backstory um, because he does have a strong spiritual connection, and he does know a lot about the monks and the older monks, and he could very well be someone who remember now. Um, not, not everyone who's at the Air Temple is an Airbender. I mean, there are just like regular monks there too. So he very well could have just been a monk. Or he could have uh, just been a human who resided in the water tribe or somewhere. And he possibly could have had because um, we don't know which tribe he's actually a part of, you know, uh, which nation do we? I mean, I don't remember what, the, what the, his, the color of his eyes are, but I think they I think his eyes are just like black or something. So I don't, I don't know. 
Like he may just be a regular, but everyone, it seems like everyone belongs to some, you know, even if you're not a bender, you still belong to one of the four nations. So, um, that's interesting. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But I mean, he definitely has some kind of a history there with Kaya. Um, but for her to recognize him so easily, like you said, um, there could be something. I mean, could be romantic. Who knows? I mean, you know, that one thing we haven't really learned about a lot about is is Kaya. We don't know much about her. I mean, we we learned a good bit about Boomy just in terms of him being in, in the military and all that. Um, but once again, like it, it seems like the 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 pattern here is, is that each book they start to dive into another one of these characters backstory a little bit more than they, they have before. So, you know, who knows in the next book we may get, you know, two episodes that focus around Kaya and two episodes that focus around Boomy. And hopefully we'll do that. But here, I, you know, at this point, do I necessarily think it's more than just him? The fact that he tried to kidnap Cora, I don't think it's more than that. Um, I think it's just, she knows who he is because, well, he, like I said, I mean, he's obviously a legendary criminal and I'm, and it stands to reason that she would know what he looked like and, and know as much as she needs to know about him because he was that dangerous of a criminal. Could there be more than that? Of course. Hopefully they will go further into it and explore that because I would love to see it. Okay. So continuing along with your email. From what Tenzin has mentioned about Kaya, she traveled the world. Perhaps she met Zahir along the way and they dated or something. What I'm thinking is that maybe something happened between them and now Zahir wants to get back at Kaya by kidnapping Kor, the Avatar, because of her past life connection to Aang and because Kaya and Kor are good friends. Uh, well, I kind of just addressed some of that. Uh, let's see. So what do you think? Could Zahir be this way because of Kaya? It's the most unexpected thing they could add to the Legend of Korra series, so it might be possible. That's very true. That would be a sort of a nice spin on things uh, in terms of them having a personal history and you know he was just scorned by that but it, it's also remember now Zahir has a girlfriend and that's that's the f the lady the firebender <laughs> the one who cre creates the explosions with her mind and they were together I mean they were all in prison for 13 years and they just kind of picked up where they left off at so <laughs> I would imagine they had one heck of a love to 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 come back together after 13 years and be like oh i missed you i missed you and they're back together so who knows how long they were together before that so i would say that it's, i would say that it's unlikely that there was some relationship between cora i'm sorry between kaya and zahir just because of that i mean obviously people can have more than one spouse or or whatever <laughs> but i just you know i kind of it's hard, it's hard for me to believe that he would be that scorned over a lost love when he obviously has this other woman that he's so strong about, you know, so passionate about. Passionate enough to still want to be with her after 13 years and just, you know, risk his life to break her out of prison. So, I mean, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? I wouldn't say so at this point, but anything can happen. Uh, anyway, thanks for reading this and for being awesome. I'm not... I'm now not only hooked on watching Legend of Korra, which I've been since episode one, but I'm hooked on listening to Republic City Report as well. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're hooked. That means I'm doing something right here. Uh, feel free to email me at any time. Um, 
and it also says here ps if you want to see the three-part series of republic city hustle just go to and there's the address listed there thank you haven for providing that link um of course i could have just googled it myself but <laughs> uh I, I like to engage with my listeners so I, I didn't i didn't look it up and now you gave me a direct link to where i can watch it thank you uh, which is, it's, I know it's still a bit strange that I haven't seen Republic City Hustle, but it's just one of those things to where I just, I knew it existed, but I just never had the the strong desire to seek it out. Um, but I will. <laughs> I will. Um, so that about does it for this episode. Um, one thing I, I also want to mention here is that this is episode 21. So I'm getting up there with episodes now, and that means that episode 25 will be coming pretty soon um, before the season is out. And, you know, typically with my podcast, when I get to the 20th episode or the 25th episode or something like that, I try to do something special. Um, I don't have anything in mind, though, now. So I'm going to give you guys a while. If you want to see me an email, send me an email to republiccityreport at gmail.com if there's something special you'd like to hear from me or even see from me i mean i have a lot of video capabilities i have um i'm an editor i mean that's that's i do video editing for a living along i mean i do a bunch of things but that's really one of my main jobs uh and videography and stuff like that so i can i can whip something up for that if you want to see that uh or we can just do something special on the podcast so if you have any suggestions uh, go ahead and email me republiccityreport at gmail.com and I'll take a look and see what I can do if I could try to do something special for episode 25. Uh, with that being said, uh, head over to facebook.com slash awesomepods and also www.awesomepods.com. That way you can see all of the podcasts that we have in the Awesome Podcast Network, uh, including one called Geekly Dose. Uh, it's another podcast that I do along with a co-host and our producer, um, we just talk about geek stuff. So if you just want to talk about comic books and movies and video games and all this stuff that's going on right now with the Marvel movies and the DC movies, we talk about a, a lot of that stuff over at Geekly Dose. Um, so you can find all these podcasts on iTunes as well as Stitcher.com. One more thing here is that um, I don't know if people actually listen to the end of the podcast because I know this is where this is where we start to plug a bunch of different stuff and p- people may turn off. But if you, if you take anything away from this episode, take away this. Um, if you can head over to iTunes and leave me a review, um, obviously you guys enjoy this show (laughs) because I get nothing but emails talking about how great you think it is. If you, and I appreciate hearing that so much and please keep them coming. But if you could take a moment, it's probably two minutes to head over to iTunes and give me a five-star rating as well as just leaving a review that will go a long way. And helping me get more listeners, which will just only make this show even better for you guys. Um, Because this is, you know, once again, this is we don't make any money doing these, you know, nor do we really are we trying to uh, at this point. So the only way to really expand things is to get listeners. So if we can get listeners, I can do much more in terms of content and we can really get this thing going. And by the time book four comes around, this show can be a lot bigger within a lot better in a lot of ways um and and then once again once that happens then you can start trying to get interviews with cast members and producers and all those kinds of things you know because they they'll they'll respond as long as they know there's an audience there so if you can help me out with that that would be fantastic 
Okay, I think this episode's going on long enough, so I'm just going to get to the point here and say that I will be back uh, really soon talking about, of course, episode 7, Original Airbenders. So be looking for that um, maybe one or two days after this one comes out. It'll be out before the new episodes, so that way if you want to email me about that episode, well, actually, you can now. I've already seen it. I've already seen Original Airbenders. So if you want to email me about that now, you can. Um, But I just haven't gotten around to recording that episode yet. So once again, I want to thank you guys for all the emails and for listening every week now. So until next time for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender, and I'll see you guys next time. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.